Um, what, I, what we're here doing today uh, is, a, is a couple things. Um, as followers of Jesus, as a spiritual family, as a church, uh, God is leading us somewhere. And part of what he has invited us to do uh, as men and women is to seek him and to find out what it is that he wants for us. And as a church, collectively, we often call that vision. Um, but it's God's voice speaking to us saying, this is who I want you to be and the direction I want you to go. And I want us to look at that again today together as a church because God's given us a direction, an identity, a vision of who he's calling us to be. So we're going to do that. We're also going to look at how each and every one of us, regardless of our age or place in life, can be engaged in that vision and direction. And then lastly, the thing that we're going to do today is, is to look at the resources that it takes, uh, the money and the investment that it takes to move in that direction. And so um, I want to I start just by uh, sharing two quick stories that we started this teaching series that we've been in. We've, we've called the teaching series Gardens, Houses, Families, and the Future of Our Church. And a couple months ago when we started, I, I shared two experiences I had with my son, Max, who's my middle son. He's away at college now. Uh, but two experiences I've had with him over the last couple years. The first was uh, driving him down to college. Uh, he, we had a flat tire and pulled over and changed the tire. It took probably about 25 minutes, got back in the car, and, and we're moving on. It was a disruption in our travel. The other experience that I shared was about four years ago when Max was a junior in high school, uh, we were able to scrape together a little bit of money and buy him an, an older car. Um, and he drove that car for somewhere between two to three weeks and it blew up. Like not like blew up, but the engine like and it died and wasn't drivable anymore. And we had to share the difficult reality with Max that we didn't have the money to uh, rebuild the engine, uh, buy a new one or buy a new car, and that we would figure out how to share now that we had four drivers and less than four cars as a family. Over that car first, and, uh, over the next couple months, what Max did was uh, access YouTube significantly and came to us and said, I, I think I can rebuild the engine to the car and I, I want to try and we're like okay go for it and he did it took him a number of months but he rebuilt the engine to this older Subaru Forester and then drove it the rest of high school pulling off the freeway and changing a tire was a minor disruption of about 25 minutes when he rebuilt his engine and went through that process it changed the trajectory of his life and he's now an engineering student in college and wants to pursue engineering for a vocation and a career in his future because of the experience in the engine. Those are two different kinds of change. One is a, a minor disruption. The other is a significant transitional change that affects the long term of our life. As we started a couple months ago, I shared what many of us feel, know, and are experiencing right now, and that's that our world, and more specifically our city and our lives, and if I can say it this way, even our culture is going through a transitional change. The change is all around us. It's happening in surprising ways. It's happening rapidly and fast. It's difficult to keep up with. It's unsettling. It's uncomfortable. But we are in a time in our world of significant transitional change, not just a minor disruption. And who would have ever thought that we might refer to a pandemic as a minor disruption. But what COVID has revealed to us is that our world is changing in really, really significant ways. I find great encouragement from God in this moment because the story of God and his people as we read in scripture over and over and over is that when there is significant change, God shows up and gives direction. 
And I find encouragement in the reality that, that God's actually prepared us as a church, prepared Mosaic for this kind of significant change. About three years ago, when we turned 15 years old as a church, one of the things that we did was go through a communal discernment process. And part of that process was seeking God's voice for us going forward. What we learned in, in that time was that churches, in general, when they hit about 15 years old, go through this process naturally. And if they don't lean in and seek God's voice and be willing to hold everything with open hands and say, God, you lead, it's all yours anyways, then churches really struggle. And so we sought that wisdom and advice and really sought say, God, speak to us as a church. And during that visioning process, God spoke in some really clear ways. And we've been looking at that over the last two months, each and every week. And I want to look at it again right now with you. It's four lines. And the way that we express what God is calling us to as a church, if I can say it this way, in this significant amount of transitional change that we're experiencing in this world, we're, we're finding a new world that's coming in front of our eyes. And I know that sounds big and kind of crazy, but I think that's what we're experiencing. And I believe that God's calling us to be a new church for a new world. Here's the words that we put to it that God gave us. In a city known by self-reliance, loneliness, and cynicism, we believe we are compelled by the love of Jesus by the love of Jesus, to live distinctly different lives. That we're to be a different kind of people that stands out, that looks differently, that lives differently, that believes differently, that treats others in a different way, that is compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. And part of that will include contributing to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples who are formed by God's word, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and who are sent by Jesus that we want to be a part of a disciple-making movement that we say happened in Portland and the Vancouver and the metro area and even beyond, that God is making disciples who know how to lead other people to Jesus because of the lives that they're living, that are formed by God's word, that experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and that are sent by Jesus to the people around them. The next way that we express this is this. By 2025, we will equip and commission 500 people who will break barriers, who will love neighbors, and who will uniquely contribute to more of God's kingdom coming in the Portland, Vancouver metro area and beyond. That for most of us, that is going to have clarity for us that God's called and sent us right where we are. And for a few of us, that will mean God calling and sending us to, to very far away in different kinds of places. And we want to celebrate all of that and contribute to all of that and help equip all of us for all of that. And because of that, we can dream and we can see a day when every cynic knows the Savior, where all the lonely find a family, where every activist joins God's mission. Not their own, not the one that our culture might advocate and celebrate, but that would join God's mission. We believe that God's calling us to be a new church for a new world, and this is the best way that we can articulate it. This is the, the words that God has given to us, and so we've been looking at that each and every week over the last couple months. I want to share with you one just kind of encouraging way that we're seeing this happen right before our eyes. It's something that's just happened in the, in the last couple months, and that's God providing and bringing new leaders for us to invest and to equip and commission and to see where God is sending them. And so I want to introduce you to six of them uh, right now. They're going to join me up here. Uh, would you just celebrate them as they come and as you get to meet them? Of course, you're the first one up here. Okay. Let's, do it. Let's do it. 
So I want to introduce these to you uh, really quick. Um, some of them are new, some of them you may know. Um, and then Sean is going to pray for him, and he'll be up here in a moment as well. Um, I already had this in my mind, so I'm going to go out of order here because you didn't line up in the order that I had you in in my mind, um, which nobody cares about except for me. So um, Zeke, raise your hand. Uh, Zeke, you might recognize him. He's uh, been uh, playing with our bands for the last few months, three months, four months, since June, whatever that is. So, um, well, wow. Uh, Zeke uh, came to Mosaic about uh, uh, that many months ago in June and um, is going to be a leader in training uh, the next one to two years. Uh, Noah is, uh, this is, okay, there we go. If you were graduating, I would ask people to hold their applause at the end, but you're not graduating, so we're just going to... Uh, Noah actually grew up here at uh, Mosaic, uh, is a uh, young adult, young professional, and is helping out with our uh, teams in the back, and was baptized during COVID here, with very few people right here in the middle of the room, which was so awesome to celebrate. Uh, Chris has been around Mosaic for a few months, um, new to Mosaic, is a seminary student at Multnomah, uh, and is also helping out with the teams back there and up on the moon, so... Uh, Emily, welcome. Uh, Emily's going to be a... Got a great... Wow, yeah. I should have saved you for the end. Like, that's, that's good. Um, th that's her cheering section up there, also known as middle schoolers. And so um, Emily is our new middle school director and is leading our middle school ministry, uh, is a seminary student, and a part of that is being a leader in residence uh, with us this year. Uh, we have another leader in residence uh, who's been around for a little while, uh, Ethan. And... Uh, Ethan was a leader in training a few years ago and uh, is now doing a year of a leader in residence uh, with us. So, great shirt. You look good. Um, and then we have a, we have a, a pastor in residence, um, and that is Colette here at the end. And so, welcome, Colette. Um, you're going to get to know Colette. She's just been here about a month or so, uh, but as a pastor in residence, is going to be learning alongside those of us that are pastors on our, our staff team right now. She's finishing up a uh, master's degree at Multnomah, and we'll say more about you later, but been around Mosaic, been with the church plant, uh, coming back to, to sync up with us for a little bit here, and so excited to have you. Sean is, uh, uh, a, has been a uh, spiritual mentor to uh, leaders in training in the past, and we've asked him to pray. Sean's also a board member here, and way back in the day, you were introduced as a leader in training. That was some years ago, and now you're mentoring leaders in training, which is so exciting. But Sean, would you... If, um, if you can, just extend a hand as we're going to pray for him. Holy Father, Son, and Spirit, first we want to say thank you for these leaders, these laborers, these servants that you've raised up. God, we, we recognize that oftentimes the gifts you give us in, in community are people, and people with gifts that they have to serve and lead others. So we're so thankful for the six here that you've provided. God, we just want to pause and ask for you to, to be the one to commission them, for you to be the one to guide and direct and lead these leaders this year. God, we ask that the roots 
of their hearts will grow deep into your love, that they'll be established and rooted and grounded in your love this year, that you'll teach them about that, to learn, to recognize and receive your love for them first and foremost. And out of that will produce the fruit that you have for others to benefit from. We ask for the skills and the equipping that they need this year, that you'll provide mentors, leaders, pastors, community to really help them grow and flourish. You bring that environment that's going to be valuable for their growth, not just this year, but for years to come. And so, God, again, we thank you. We look forward to what you're going to do. We ask for your blessing in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks for celebrating and praying with us for those six leaders. Here's what we're going to do now. If you need to uh, refill your coffee cup or grab a donut, take a a break, um, would you greet somebody around you where you are if you feel great doing that? Uh, And then we're going to continue to sing together. So say hi to somebody near you. One, two, three, go. I think Phil said it earlier, but, um, or maybe I said it. I think I said it. I said it earlier. That's, wow, that's what I was looking for. Uh, What I was going to say was that we sound good, and um, yeah, did you say that? I said it, and then you said it. And then I repeated it, so now I'm repeating it again, yeah. Um, And I got a text from somebody that said that my mic was live um, during our meet and greet, and so I just want to say I really hope it wasn't live while we were singing that last song. Or you would really wonder if I was aware of what was going on, because I don't sound good, so, but I can hear everybody else, and we sound good, so. Um, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to I look and, and talk through a few things of how each and every one of us can be involved in where God is leading us and who he is calling us to be. Uh, we've been in this series, again, that we've called Gardens, Houses, Families, and the Future of Our Church. And uh, we've been looking for and, and, and got this kind of idea um, because knowing that we're in a season and a moment of significant transitional change, looking to the story of God in Scripture where God has provided hope and comfort and direction in the midst of change has been really helpful. And one of the places that he did that is in the lives of his people, the people of Israel, when they were exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so we've been looking in Jeremiah, and again, if you've been with us, you've heard this over and over, you could probably nearly recite it with me now as I read it again, but I want to read it again for us as we look back at where we got this idea of these three gardens, houses, families, and the questions that go along with them. And so here it is again. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4, 5, and 6. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And here's the things that he said. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Build a house and and settle down. You're going to be here a while. Plant gardens and eat what they produce because you need to eat. Don't hold your family in your house that you build with your own garden and stay just there, but plan to increase and grow as a people 
And so encourage your sons and daughters to marry and to have kids themselves and to continue to grow. God is saying, I want my people to grow and increase even in a time of significant transitional change where everything is up in the air and they hardly know what the future is and what's going on, but they know that their God is still speaking to them and is still faithful to be with them. Things that are true for us. And so we've taken these, these images, gardens, houses, and families, and says, what is God leading us into in this season? And what are the questions that each of these prompt? And so I want to I walk through those just really quickly. So the first one, gardens, what sustains our life? What sustains our life? The second is houses is what, where has God placed you? Where has God placed you in your life right now in this season that we're in, in this moment in history? And thirdly, families, who are you with? If you look around and say, who, who knows me and who do I know? Where am I known? Where do I belong? Who are the people that God has put around me for when I feel lonely? I know that I have them and can go to them. These three questions, what sustains my life? Where has God placed us? And who am I with? So the first one, what sustains my life? As we move forward with where God's calling us, uh, we want to take some new steps into how we do that together collectively as a church family. And so two things. One is, is scripture. What sustains us is God's voice in scripture. How do we hear God speaking to us? How do we experience and encounter God through the Bible? And secondly, what does that look like in our, in our life of conversation, our relationship with God in, in prayer? One of the things that we're going to be doing uh, starting next Sunday uh, is, a, is a teaching series where we're seeking to hear God's voice as he wrote through this guy named Luke, when Luke wrote the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. And so we're starting a series in, in Luke and Acts, and we're going to start it next week on November 7th, and we don't know how, how long it's going to go. We don't have like an end date for it. Um, it's been a while since we've done this, is just pick a book of the Bible and say, this is going to be the book, and, and we're going to let God direct what we talk about each and every week. Now, he does that every week that we gather, but in the last few series that we've done, uh, as we've gathered on Sunday and, and listened online and engaged in that way, what we've done is said, this is, this is what we need to talk about right now. And so it hasn't been in a particular book of the Bible. And so I, if you're familiar um, with, with church, maybe you're familiar with those two kind of differences of approach. If this is whole new to you and you're like, I, I don't even really think about what happens from week to week and, and what a church does. What we're going to do over the next number of months, and again, we don't have an end date for it, is we're just going to start in the book of Luke and just walk through it. It's going to walk us right into the birth of Jesus in Christmas time, Advent season. And we're going to pick up in January and just keep going. And so that's one way. The other thing that we're going to do is, is provide some resources week to week as we go along so that you can engage. And that might be you on your own to go deeper in to what God's saying through the book of Luke and then Acts. It might be that you pull a few people around you and say, hey, let's walk through this scripture together. Uh, but we're working on a way. It probably won't be ready until January. But each and every week that we'll have something that can help guide you and you can dive deeper in. So that's one way that we want to together be engaging in scripture is through the book of Luke and then Acts. When it comes to prayer, a number of, uh, just a, actually I think it was in September, we started and we set aside, uh, this came out of our, our series in the summer called Prayers of Renewal, and we moved in and said as we head into the fall, we want to set aside a time, a day of the week to pray and fast. And so prayer is familiar to all of us in some form or another. Fasting might seem a little foreign. But we said, we're going to, on Tuesdays, pray and fast. And so uh, I've started writing on, on Mondays just a, a simple guide that engages us with a few verses, a time to reflect, to read those, to reflect and, and pray. And so if you've been getting that email, it drops at 4 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. Um, and if you want to pray and fast and you're up before 4 a.m., God's up with you and you guys can figure that out together. 
But we're going to send this out. It's going to drop at 4 a.m. It's been dropping at 4 a.m. In, in email boxes for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks. And that's a way that we can be praying together. The other thing that we're going to do is uh, on Tuesdays, uh, open up this space right here in this room and just for a half hour to pray together. And so we're going to do it both in person here and then also on Zoom. Uh, so if you can't be here or aren't comfortable being with people yet, you can participate. But for a half an hour from noon to 1230, um, pray together as a church. Hopefully we're all praying at different times throughout our days and week. On Tuesday that we're praying and fasting in some way. Uh, we've got a guide available for fasting if that's new for you. Um, I've been fasting from uh, the end of dinner on Monday until dinner on Tuesday. And so it's about 24 hours. Um, and uh, it's one thing to teach and talk about fasting. It's another thing to be really, really hungry at about 1.30 on Tuesday afternoon when you have to be around other humans. And so uh, for my meetings that are Tuesday afternoon, I just, that's what God's doing in my life. Uh, it's just refining the grumpiness and the crankiness, and you get to be a part of that. So um, God speaks to us when our hungers and our desires are revealed. And so he has called his people to fast throughout the story of scripture, throughout the history of the church. And we want to take a step into that. So. What sustains your life? We want that answer to be the person of Jesus Christ. And by going to scripture and by seeking to pray together in a number of different ways, we hope that we are answering that question and providing each and every one of us a way to answer that question of what sustains my life. There are so many options out there available to us, and we want to put pathways in front of us, habits and rhythms in front of us to help us to be able to daily, regularly answer that question, what sustains my life? It's hearing the voice of God, walking with the person of Jesus who is alive and with me today and is shaping and directing my life. The second question that we've asked is around houses, of where has God placed you? Where has God placed you? This is, this is such a, a significant question because it shapes the way that we see the world around us. One way to ask this question is, what do I want to do next? And that's a valid question, a helpful question. Another way to ask the question is, when is God going to put me into my dream house or my dream city or my dream vocation? Those are all helpful and God welcomes those. We want to be asking the question, where has God placed us right now? When we talked through this a number of weeks ago, I had a friend uh, text me and say, thank you, I needed that. I was discouraged and it was helpful to be reminded that even in the challenging spot that I'm in right now, God has me there for a reason. It's not accidental. It's not unintentional. Where you are, the relationships, the people that God's put you around, the place that you live, the place that you work, God's put you there for a reason and wants to work through you. When we say that God wants to equip and commission us and send us out to where we already are, this question reveals that reality. Where has God placed you? The truth is, is that most of us need help processing that. And so we've got a couple ways to do that in this next year. The first is something called focused living. And focused living is something that we've done for about the last uh, eight years or so with all of our leaders in training and leaders in residence. This past April, we opened it up to us as a church. I think we, I don't remember how many people we had go through it. I think it was about 50 went through it. Here's what focused living is. Focused living is a, it's a, it's parts of three days. It starts on a Friday evening, it goes through Saturday, and then it concludes on a Sunday afternoon. So it's a significant amount of time. It's like a lab experience. If you've gone to lecture, 
You know, that's different than a lab. Lecture is you listen and, and receive. A lab is you get your hands on and you start to experiment and experience the reality of the truth that you're talking about, that you've learned about. Focused living is like a lab where you get your hands on your own history and you process it in a very clear and helpful way. Uh, and at the end of that process, what you end up with is a clear biblical purpose statement. This is who God has made me to be and what he's made me for. A list of values that God has called in you throughout your life to date, and then a vision for what he's calling you to next. And it's done in community with others, with somebody helping guide you through it. And what it's done for a number of people in, in our church family, and for others that use it all over the place, one of our mentors, a guy named Terry Walling, helped develop it. But we're now trained on it to, to host and do this a number of times throughout each and every year. But it helps us see that God, where we are is where God's placed us and how he wants to work through us with the vision that he's given us. And it may involve right where you are right now. It might involve where you are now and where he's calling you to in the future. But it provides clarity, and it's this great process to bring clarity to our lives. So we have a number of people within our church community who are trained to, to host others and walk through it. And we've got a, um, I don't know if we have a date set, uh, January 22. So sometime in January, I don't know the exact dates, but we're gonna host another one um, in January. And that's an, an opportunity for you to process through what has God already done in your life so that he can help you move forward. It's one of the things that we did collectively as a church. We kind of did this on our, uh, our church. We had about, a, I don't know how many people involved in it, but we had a whole wall that told our history and we, we put up a place and we could look at it as a church as a whole. And one of the reasons is, as we look at our past, we can see how God has been faithful in what he's done, both in the good things and the very difficult things, and how that's shaping us for what he wants to do in and through us in the future. So it's one of the ways that we're gonna equip ourselves to answer that question, where has God placed me? The second, second thing that we're going to do is something called a missionary pathway. Now, missionary pathway. As I say that, you may be like I was when I was about 22, and God was starting to stir in me a, a call to serve him in some way. And the negotiation that I had with God, just try that sometime. The negotiation I had with God was, God, I will follow you anywhere as long as it's not being a missionary. So he, he, clearly, he clearly honored that negotiation that we had by picking me up and putting me in Portland. If you're a follower of Jesus and you live in the Portland, Vancouver metro area, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, and increasingly if you live just about anywhere in our nation, you know what it's like to be a missionary. You know what it's like to live in a culture that's not shaped by scripture. You know what it's like to be around people who have no idea who Jesus really is. You know what it's like to be around people that don't think that God speaking to us through the Bible holds any authority or truth. So when I say missionary pathway and you go, that's not for me, I, I just want you to hold on to that just for a little bit and just to, just to consider, maybe it might be. Now, I mean, not anytime soon, not in January of 22, but maybe some other time. But there's a, a few of us that are, are walking through this over the next couple months and we're gonna kind of learn and experiment with it. And then we're gonna offer it to those of us that God is calling to step into it. And what it is, it's a seven week process to walk through together. And to be, it starts with prayer of what is it that God's calling me to where I am? 
missionary pathway is something that uh, a guy named uh, Rob Wagner, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, he's a part of a movement of micro churches in Kansas City, uh, and a friend of a friend connected us, and, and a group of us, about 15 around Portland, have walked with him through a cohort. Uh, and it's one of the things that, um, that we here at Mosaic have kind of gleaned from him and want to try out. And so that's a new thing for us to step into it, but it it helps us walk through the question of where has God placed us and what is it that he might want to do in and through us in this next season. I think it fits really well with, what, with who God is calling us to be as a church. So that's two things to answer that second question of where has God placed you. Um, a, a third thing that is, is um, going to come just in the next few weeks is that as we come towards Advent, which I can't believe I saw a Christmas commercial for the first time yesterday while watching a football game. Um, I thought we were going to hold off on that a little longer, but it seems to get earlier and earlier every year. Uh, but Christmas is coming. Our Advent season is coming. Our theme for Advent this year is going to be comfort and joy, because wow, we need both of those. Uh, but not only do we need both of those, but because we know Jesus, we can offer those to our city and our world. And so we're going to be finding ways to offer comfort and joy. And we've got a couple different Advent projects that are brewing. And so there's a way for you to be involved in the lives of those that are around you, where God has placed you this Advent season through comfort and joy projects. So the third question that, um, that we're asking is around families is that who are you with? Who are you with? One of the wonderful and exciting things that God has done this last, I don't know what the count is right now. Are we like on month 20 or something? Uh, dating back to uh, when lockdown started in March of 2020. Um, but one of the things that God did that has been so significant for us as a church family in a number of different ways is by starting house gatherings within hours of the restrictions being put in place on churches in the middle of March of 2020. And we had, uh, I don't know how many people, but we were able to host uh, 12 house gatherings in houses around Portland that first Sunday of COVID. Um, there was a worship leader in each and every one of them. People took communion. Um, I think it actually went smoother than it's still going now as we're still struggling with those cups and things. But in homes, and then the next week it moved to Zoom, to virtual. And for about 15 months, we were virtual only in house gatherings. This is, this is largely what we experienced those 15 months. And many of those, is try to find yourself on there. And if you're like, maybe you're like, I, I hated Zoom. And I'm, I'm like firmly against, I'm, I'm an anti-Zoomer. Um, then you can see what you missed out on there. Because it actually was, it was a lot of fun and it was, it was great. What I'd like to do is, is have us, in just some small way, celebrate and thank all of our house gathering leaders and those who served us and pastored us in our house gatherings as they stand up and we just kind of say thank you, we love you, we need it. So if you're a house gathering leader or helped pastor our house gatherings in any way, would you please stand up and let us celebrate and thank you? clapping for you at home too if you stood up in your in your own house um, I hope you clap for yourself and for others uh, thank you so much you you not only served us as a church family in such significant ways um, I, I didn't lead a, a house gathering um, I was in one that was led by uh, somebody else and was so grateful to be pastored and led um, to be hosted and I as I talked to house gathering leaders it's it it was harder than it 
it initially seemed like it would be, uh, and yet it was a blessing because God did so many great things. God, God taught us through that, connected us as a family. I know not every single one of you felt connected or felt like you belonged through COVID because of the isolation, because of the loneliness, because of the limitations, because of the restrictions, because either internet wasn't working or you refused to get on Zoom or whatever reason, and you felt so alone. That's not where God wants us to be. He wants us to be connected to one another. This is, this is really enjoyable and fun in so many ways to get into a public setting, a large room like this, or to watch online. And God works and does significant work in these moments. But more important than that, one of the things that we learned is that we need to be connected in relationships to a few others that we can, you might not have referred to your house gathering as family, but what God did is he birthed these, maybe temporary, maybe some of them will continue on for a long, long time, but these families where people were connected with one another and shared Jesus together and shared the journey that was difficult together. And so God taught us something through them that we're not, we're not identified primarily as by the time that we gather. We're not, now that we're able to be in this building again, that we're not identified by being in a building, but we're identified by the person and work of Jesus in our lives and those that we link arms with relationally that are our community that we can say, this is my family. I'm with these people, and we all need that. Here's one of the things that we learned. The significant work that God did through house gatherings were tied neither to a house or to a gathering. We're great at naming stuff, aren't we? It wasn't about a house. You weren't in a house together. You were in a Zoom thing together on a screen. And it wasn't about a gathering. You weren't gathered together. You were connected at the same time, but it was, it was through Zoom. But what really happened was not the, the gathering on Zoom. What really happened was the relationships that were shared. And people said, I'm more connected to my church family than I've ever been. And it had nothing to do with this room. I'm more connected to my church family than I've ever been. It had nothing to do with this room. And secondly, I engaged in scripture and the teaching that happens on Sunday in a deeper, more meaningful way. And why? We were teaching shorter. It was on screen. Nothing was particularly different about it. The reason why was because we were engaged in conversation and discussion with others. We want to we guard those things and protect those two things and carry them forward, but we have to do it in a new way. It wasn't tied to a house, and it wasn't tied to a gathering. And so, we're not doing this immediately. We're probably looking at January, but what we want to do is evolve the name of house gatherings into something that more better represents what we need going forward. So if you've gotten that in mind or God just gave you a word of what that should be, let me know. I'm at a bit of a loss. So we don't have a new name. We don't know what that's going to be, but it's not going to be house gathering. God's calling us into something going forward. What we do know now is as restrictions begin to fade, as COVID begins hopefully to move back into the past, as we feel more comfortable being in person with one another, that this is not our primary assessment or measurement of how comfortable we are being together, but it's us being together in homes, in backyards, in apartments or dorm rooms or wherever we gather, because God has placed us somewhere. We answer that second question of where has God placed you? For many of us, it's going to be in our neighborhood and the place that we live. And so what would it look like to be present with those that God has placed us with, our family, in the places that we live, that we do work, that we do a lot of our life, that we begin to see 
that God's primary work in, in and through me is for those around me. Not those, this is great, and we'll continue to do this. But what if we saw our mission field, our place that God has given us, the people that he wants us to influence, love, care for, as those that we live near in our neighborhoods or that we work near during the week? Or where we, as we talked a few weeks ago, where we live, where we work, where we play, or where we learn? What if we begin to see that? Here's what we want to do, is that we want to make sure that we, we have a, a clear assessment of what's around us. I came across this stat um, a few weeks ago. Um, well, it was, it was longer than that, but it's that in our city, 42% of our city, 42% of our city is religious, religiously unaffiliated, which is more than any other city in the United States. Here's what this means is that when asked, people in Portland and Vancouver metro area say, I don't identify as any, a person of any faith and certainly not of any formal religion um, or institution or, or something like that. Um, and more than any other city in the US, one of the things that means is that a significant amount of our city and more than any other city in the US, that when somebody is struggling with life or having a hard time or needs direction or needs help or is lonely and needs community, they don't think to go to the church. They're not going to the church. They're not seeking the church. And, and I would say that's eternally unfortunate because what they really need is Jesus, and we know Jesus. They might find Jesus in some other way, which is great, but they don't think to go to the church. And so we're in this part of the change that I think God is doing in not just our church, but in many churches, is a change from a come-and-see approach to a go-and-tell Again, this is great that we get to gather and, and do this. Most of us in this room know Jesus. We're, we're struggling maybe to follow him and, and to, to, to hear his voice and to learn more of who he is. But a majority of us, a strong majority of us right now, are comfortable and want to worship Jesus together and want to look to scripture together and want to celebrate Jesus. People aren't coming here to find Jesus. And so we want to shift from a come and see mentality to a, to a go and tell, where we're equipped and commissioned to wherever we are to be able to represent Jesus well and tell his story and how he's affected our lives. The other thing that goes along with that and what that means is that we want to change from being a Sunday-based church family to becoming a sending base. You saw just a little taste of it as Sean prayed for our leaders in training and leader in residence. But we want to do that for everyone. We want to do that for everyone that says, God has sent me to a particular place of work or a particular neighborhood. Or I've got a hobby where I interact with people who don't know Jesus. Or I study at a school that it's really, really rare to find anyone else who's following Jesus. God has put me there. And so we as Mosaic, this is so important and so fun and so enjoyable and so formative that we gather like this on Sundays. But we don't want to put a majority of our time and resources into just this moment on Sundays but want to find new and creative ways to be a sending base so we're thinking constantly about the world outside. That's significant change for us, and I hope that not only us, but many other churches make that change in the coming years. God's called us to that. This is who he's called us to be. One way that we're going to do this going forward is uh, for the next seven Sundays, after each of our gatherings, uh, we're going to host something called a Sunday Forum. And here's, here's why. 
We want to give each and every one of us the opportunity to, to ask questions of how to belong, uh, to give input on what God's been doing in, in your life and, and what it means for our vision as we move forward as a church. And so we've got seven opportunities. Some of those might be crowded. Some of them might be really sparse, but we're just going to host a time Sunday forum each of the next seven weeks. Five of those are going to be in person right here. So we finish roughly at 1115 from 1130 to 1230. Um, we'll spend an hour um, just talking together and listening to one another and asking good questions and seeing seeking God together um, about what's going forward and what it looks like to move from what house gatherings have been to where God's calling those to evolve and move to. That'll be a significant part of that. So Sunday forums, five of them will be in person, two of them will be on Zoom. Um, so uh, you, we can engage virtually everyone, uh, whether you're comfortable being here in person or not, or able to, or whatever that looks like. So Sunday forums is going to be a key next step going forward. God has... God has called us to step into the transitional change that's around us. We're not the first church to do this. He's done this consistently throughout uh, the history of the church. Because the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us, God's empowered us to be able to do this. And he's put us in a city where a majority of the people have no interest in following Jesus. 42% of them are willing to say, I don't associate or identify with anything. We have another term that for it is nuns, not N-U-N, like a Catholic nun, but nun, like N-O-N-E. I, I don't want to have any faith. I don't even know if I'm agnostic or atheist. I don't want to identify as anything. I'm a nun, N-O-N-E. And we want to see those not be cynical, not be lonely, not be self-reliant, but come to know Jesus and to follow him. And in order to do that, we have to go way outside of this building to be able to do that. Here's what this means. I want to talk about resources with us just for a couple minutes, and we'll talk about it over the next couple months and more. I hope it is really, really clear that the greatest resource that God has given Mosaic the greatest resource that God has given Mosaic, other than himself, is us. It's you and I. We're the church. The greatest resource that God has given Mosaic is just simply the people that make up our church family. We're the greatest resource. And what we believe God is calling us to in the next couple years is to invest in a significant way in us and to send us out to where God's calling us. And one of the things that we need to do in order to be able to do that to the best of our capability is to invest in the next few months in our second greatest resource, which is this piece of property that he's given us. And so we want to spend some time investing in the second greatest resource to best serve the greatest resource that he's given us. We need to make some changes to, to our space here to best serve what he's, what he's doing in and through us as a church. The first thing that, that we, uh, well, there's a couple, throw up those uh, two quotes. We're calling this now and next, um, what God wants to do in us now to prepare us for what's next. Um, our city and culture has changed in generationally significant ways. So we've been talking about, and we must move forward in new ways and new methods and resources to reach and disciple more people for Jesus. In order to do this, we're going to enhance our second greatest resource to best serve our first greatest resource. And that's going to specifically go to two, to two things. The first is this, to create a safe, fun, informative space for kids and students. 
we uh, just a few, just a month ago, I think it was, uh, started opening up our building, um, and I don't have the exact times right, but it's for about 26 minutes, I think, on Mondays from like 11.38 to whatever 20-ish minutes is later. And it's this little sliver of time that we've opened our building and served pizza for a dollar to Grant High School students. We're seeing about uh, 15 come uh, every Monday. Uh, Two-thirds of those don't know Jesus, aren't a part of Mosaic, have no contact with Mosaic. It's just they smelled pizza or a friend invited us in. A third of those are, are students that are at Mosaic who have a heart for reaching Grant High School students. They're coming into our space. Our middle school and high school ministries have grown through the last year and a half. Through COVID, they actually grew. Youth ministry as a whole is significantly declining in urban places around the nation. That is particularly true in Portland. And churches are ceasing and declining investment in next generation through youth ministry specifically. God's not calling us to do that. And so we want to leverage what we have in this building and space to best serve kids and students going forward. We had built a studio in our lower level um, because we didn't need that space for about 18 months. We, we tore it down at the end of August um, and we're, we need to, to uh, prepare our lower level to best serve our kids. That's going to involve also um, fixing our kitchen. The last time that our... Okay, so, um, so you've been to our kitchen. Uh, and, I, and I just want to take this moment to apologize to other kitchens for referring to that as a kitchen. So um, it's the last time it was uh, uh, renovated was 1874. And so it's, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's not just bad, it might actually be unsafe. I don't know that. I might get in trouble for saying that, but it needs it. So we're going we're gonna to create a kitchen that is, that is accessible and user, and that, that so many of us as volunteers want to go in there and serve our kids and students and make meals and, and create space for training um, in that space down there. So we're going to finally get to that and renovate our kitchen. The other thing that we need to do in order to create safe, fun, informative spaces for our kids and students is secure our building. Without going into a lot of detail, um, our building is, is not safe in a few key ways. We need to put up um, some guard fences and stuff that cost more than a dollar, which I wish it only cost a dollar, but it costs a little bit more than that, and we've got to do that to secure our building and be a good neighbor in that way. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we're going to do is create a high-quality studio and hybrid worship space. That's this space right here. We're going to do both of those things in this one space. We don't want to use our lower level for a studio. We tore it down in August. We're going to create um, space right here, which is going to take some significant tech upgrades to this room and space. What it's going to do is, for those of you that are online, it actually is going to make this an enjoyable experience and smoother. The last time we did a tech upgrade uh, was about 15 years ago. So we're way outdated. Uh, we have an amazing team. Can we just give them a hand again for those from the pack? I, I can't tell you the work that they do to make this work. And we're about right here at work, and we want to aim a little bit higher for that. They are duct taping things together. We have a bower, borrowed soundboard right now because ours was so close to dying. Anyone that knew anything about it said, we can't go another Sunday with that. You know we've had sound issues. Uh, what we're doing for projection needs to change and all of that. And the, the hope and the plan for that is to make this a hybrid space where we can gather like this in person and then we can gather online at the same time and it's smooth. The other thing it will allow us to do is, is use this stage as a studio um, and without getting into all the, what that means tech-wise and audio-visual, video, that, that kind of stuff, um, we just need the upgrades in order to be able to record here and not use that some other space available. 
Here's what this looks like as we talk numbers. What we're gonna do is we're gonna look out over the next two years, starting in January and going 24 months out. Our annual budget is right around 1.1 million right now. To double that over two years means 2.2, and to do those two projects is about $300,000. That's 2.5 collectively over the next two years. And so we're gonna be talking more in detail about what that looks like and how we're gonna go about that. Um, but it will stretch us as a church, and at the same time, we have this capacity within us, and God is gonna provide this money over the next two years. So that's just a little uh, uh, brief overview of now and next and what that looks like for us as a church. We'll be talking about it in our forums and over the next couple months, and then we're looking at the first few weeks of January is doing some form of a commitment uh, moment as we know what we have going forward and what God's led us to give. We are in a significant moment of transitional change. Rather than being fearful of that and scared of that, please, please hear. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God has told us consistently throughout his word and through church history that he shows up in moments and that his people, when following him and listening to his voice, are not just empowered, but are courageous and bold to make the changes and to be the change that he's calling us to be in this world. We are privileged to be in a city that is as challenging and as difficult as it is to live as a Christ follower because there are so many people that don't know Jesus and we know Jesus. And God is calling us, gifting us, empowering us to be his hands and feet, his voice to this city and this region and beyond. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me, and then we're going to continue to sing and wrap up our time together. Can we actually do this? Could, we, could you stand with me? Let's stand together and pray, and then Phil and the band will lead us as we, as we sing a few songs and close together. Jesus, we, we hear you, and we know you. We declare you as our King and as our Savior, as our Lord, as our Redeemer, and as our Rescuer. And we want you to be that for more and more people in our city. And you've chosen to use us, which at moments seems like the craziest thing, because we feel frail and broken and sinful at times. And yet, Jesus, as we claim you as our Savior, you redeem us, you forgive us. And not just that, you've given us the Holy Spirit to be empowered, to be courageous and bold and resilient in this time, in this moment in history, and in this city for you? And would you do a significant work through us and other churches in our region so that we see change? And we dream of a day when cynics come to know you as their savior, when lonely find a family in your church, and when every activist joins the mission that you are about and for and are bringing about right here and right now.